It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now, Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. Oh, yeah. Pushing the limits time. PTL time here on KSHP. So glad you could join us. And, oh, boy, we had a lot uh, transpire over the weekend. Some good, some bad. And we're going to go over it all with you. We're streaming live, by the way, on KSHP. Of course, uh, 1400 on the AM dial. But we're also streaming on my personal Facebook page, the Pushing the Limits fan page. My Twitter page, which is Pushing Limits LV, so you can see why I have a face for radio, of course. And we got some very special guests today. We, we had tragedy break over the weekend, and former presidential candidate Joe Walsh will be joining us. Talk about some of these mass shootings. Talk about white supremacy. He's a former Chicago congressman, so Joe Walsh will be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Really looking forward to speaking with him. Breaking news in the last few hours. Uh, Pete DeBoer is Bon Voyage Sayonara. He and his wonderful power player gone. Pete DeBoer fired as the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. So coming up later on in the program, we're going to speak to uh, my friend Dana Lane. Of course, Vegas Hockey Hotline hosts the show before mine, and we're going to talk to Dana about that. Looking forward to that conversation coming up here in just a few minutes. The president of the local NAACP, Roxanne McCoy, will be joining me also. Why? Well, I love having her in studio. I wish it was under better circumstances, but uh, now the nation is learning more about the 10 people that were killed in this hate-fueled shooting rampage at a uh, busy Buffalo supermarket. It happened Saturday afternoon. Uh, the person who's responsible for this, the scumbag, an 18-year-old, won't mention his name. He is charged with first-degree murder, and officials say they will weigh additional charges in the coming days. But now we're learning a little bit more about the shooting in Buffalo. Of course it was a hate crime. He put up a manifesto. Uh, this was attacking uh, black people, Period and killing innocent people. That's exactly what this was about. It's exactly what happened. He walks into a supermarket, killing people outside the supermarket, killing people in the supermarket. And sadly, 10 people have lost their lives and raging uh, in age from the youngest, uh, Roberta Drury, 32 years old, uh, the oldest, an 86-year-old, Ruth Whitfield, Three surviving victims, 20, 50, and 55. Uh, Sadly, I saw the video. I did watch the video of the shooting, and it was very difficult to watch, as I would imagine it would be difficult for anybody to watch. And that wasn't the only mass shooting. We had a mass shooting at a church uh, in California. We had a shooting in Wisconsin. Um, But this was certainly a hate crime by a white supremacist who sadly spilled some of the same rhetoric that some of our right-wing politicians are. And now joining me in studio uh, to discuss this, and like I said, I wish it was under better circumstances, but of course that would be my good friend, 
Roxanne McCoy, who is the president of the local NAACP who volunteers. Uh, Roxanne, it's great to see you, and, and I do appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. It's been a little while. It's been a while. Thank you for having me back again. Good to see you. Like I said, I, I wish it was under better circumstances. I wish we could talk about something that was uh, more positive. But, of course, you understand and you know what took place on Saturday at the hands of a white supremacist. Again, another assault weapon. Um, just a manifesto. Uh, Anti-Semitic, racist, you know name what you want about this animal that is now behind bars but uh when you first heard about the story as i did i would imagine you were just heartbroken yeah i i don't even know if heartbroken is really what comes to mind first anymore anger is really what comes to mind is that what is this world and our Mm -hmm. country becoming now that we are going to this extreme to eliminate people because of their culture their religion their Mm -hmm. color their sexual orientation it's 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 just out of control, and I'm really angered by it right about now. I am too. Obviously, you, you would agree the anger first starts with the person who committed this horrible crime, and my thoughts and prayers go out to the families. But with that being said, my anger goes also goes out to the alt right. You know this replace this white replacement theory that this shooter talked about in his manifesto, and he talked about it online. Who else is talking about this replacement theory? Well, at least Stefanik is talking about it. Uh, others uh, like Marjorie Taylor Greene mm-hmm. and Lauren Boebert. So you cannot tell me that there is no responsibility for the alt-right, some of these people on the alt-right that are bringing up this stuff. I mean, in my personal opinion, they should be held accountable because that's what this animal who killed all these innocent people, the majority of them black, uh, talked about. That, that This replacement theory, which uh, idiots out there that are racist, that are afraid of the fact that white people are being replaced by minorities. It's a ridiculous theory. And and what do you make of that? And do you do believe that some of these people on the right should be held responsible for their for their hateful rhetoric that they that they speak of? So I absolutely believe that they should be held responsible. Yeah. But unfortunately, in our country, we have what they call freedom of speech. And they all get to hide behind the fact that they have a right to speak their mind, but they're not making this guy perpetrate the crimes that he's doing but what they're not taking responsibility for is that you're feeding this into the minds of people Mm -hmm. and some people that are a little more unbalanced than others buy into this stuff and they take it as gospel and then you find them acting on it but yet the people that are really in power talking about this and feeding them this garbage has no accountability whatsoever I and, agree. and it's too many of them mm-hmm. that believe that same that same they have that same mindset. They all right. too many of them believe it. They congregate together and then they have these little peasants that are beneath them to go and act out their crimes for them and then they hold up their hands and like I, I don't know nothing. I didn't see nothing. I don't right. understand nothing. And it's so interesting, right? Because and we'll probably get into this a little bit more, but all the people that call themselves pro life are the same people that were very quiet over the weekend when we had all these mass shootings and all these innocent black people that that died. Why? Because of the color of their skin. Where are all these pro-life people? I'm just curious. Uh, When it comes to unborn babies, they'll be the first one to tell you that women are murderers. But then when it comes to a a, a white supremacist piece of garbage, 18-year-old that kills people because of the color of their skin, silence. They justify Silence. Uh, Absolutely. Life is important as long as it's not a black life or a gay life, mm-hmm. or a Jewish life, or an Asian life, as long as, you know, it's not fitting into their narrative, then they're pro-life. But again, these are lives that were taken away, and again, silence. You hear absolutely nothing from them. It's disgusting. This. And uh, again, you know, 
my heart breaks. I mean, there's there's ten grieving families. There's more people that were injured, but uh, you know, I I watched the video. I didn't trust me. I didn't want to, but I wanted to for a moment see that the terror that these poor people had to go through the final seconds of their life and. These are people, good people that, uh, you know, one woman, the first woman that was shot, just had her carriage outside the supermarket. My understanding, she was going to be baking a cake for Mm -hmm. her family. We had a a hero, uh, by the way, and I want to talk about this hero, a police officer who had just retired and now he's a security guard. And my heart breaks for his family because he's a hero. And and, and unlike some real police officers, this security guard risked his own life to try to save others. But I do want to address this, though, because you hear this from the right all the time. Good guy with a gun. Well, sadly, the good guy with a gun didn't win. He's a hero, and I, and I commend him. He risked his life, and it took his own life, and, and he's a hero. But we always hear this on the right. Oh, good guy with a gun's going to win. Well, guess why the good guy with a gun didn't win? Because he didn't have an assault weapon like this 18-year-old had, the same type of weapon that Paddock used October 1, a weapon that was designed for one reason and one reason only, mm-hmm. not for hunting, not for enjoyment, Mass to kill killing. as many people as possible in a short period of time. And make no mistake about it, that is why this officer is dead. He's a hero, and he's dead because he didn't have the same type of weapon that this scumbag had. But not just the same type of weapon. He didn't have the type of body armor as well. Right. I mean, this guy was like the bullet were just bouncing off of him like Mm -hmm. okay shoot me all you want nothing's going to happen right but i think that you know you said something earlier that i really wanted to just reflect back on and you're saying how sad and disappointed you are about it and you know what brian as a black woman i'm seeing this so much that we're almost getting numb to it Mm. it's becoming numb it's like we're seeing this is getting to be too much of a norm in this country that the people that should be speaking up about it are not speaking up about it agree and uh adam kinzinger is somebody that i have respect for because he calls out some of these idiots on the right Uh, i want i want to read to you his tweet he said as the buffalo shooter has shown as the replacement rhetoric of Elise Stefanik has shown, as the racist hysteria of Carlson and Fox News has shown, and as the dictatorial violent fantasies of Donald Trump has shown, we are living under mob rule and America is sick of it. He also said his replacement theory was to get rid of some of these politicians, get them out of office. And I commend him for saying that. I commend him for saying that as well. And we need more people like him saying that same thing and if more of them will speak up instead of sitting on the sidelines maybe they won't feel so emboldened to Mm -hmm. keep this conversation up tucker carlson's of the world the idea of white supremacy is a hoax he said it after the walmart shooting in texas el paso after the walmart shooting in texas el paso he said the idea of white supremacy is a hoax there are people out there that do not believe systemic racism exists still to this day here you have a white supremacist and i personally believe this listen i don't blame everything on donald trump i certainly wouldn't i don't blame everything on extreme right however in this situation, I'm going to say, if we didn't have the last five or six years, the Donald Trumps of the world and people on the extreme right talking about this ridiculous racist replacement theory, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that this shooting happens. In his manifesto, from what the FBI and police have said, and they haven't released all the information, but they've said uh, this was a place that he scoped out. He talked about right-wing conspiracy theories. He talked about replacement theory, some of the very things that are some of our elected politicians on the right are talking about. So you cannot convince me that Donald Trump, the Stefanics of the world, the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, didn't contribute 
to this deranged individual doing what he did. Maybe he still commits a, a violent shooting. I don't know. But the fact that he specifically went after black people. In fact, in the video, there is a, a white man lying on the ground, a cashier guy, I think, begging for his life. And I'm glad that the shooter didn't kill him. I am so glad. But with that being said, the shooter says, oh, sorry, saves his life, walks away. If that person is black, he's dead. Mm-hmm. He specifically went after minorities, just like the Texas El Basho shooter in in Walmart. So I, I think there's two different things here. Number one, how do we get these weapons off the streets, which I talk about all the time and Republican people say, how come Obama didn't do anything? How come Biden's not? Because they can't because all the Republicans in Congress what block everything. That's, exactly That's right. why it's not that Biden doesn't want to. He talks about it all the time. And by the way, Roxanne, what did Biden do after the shooting? What a president should do. Absolutely. He reached out to the victims, trying to give them as much comfort as he could. He put out his thoughts for the victims, and he actually reached out to them. He talked about it. So what did Donald Trump do over the weekend? Well, this is the only comment he made about any of the shootings, and I'm going to play it for you because he made it about himself within 10 seconds. Have a listen to this. We didn't lose one American soldier. Think of it. Not one. As opposed to last night, which you saw in Milwaukee, and you saw, I guess, a total of 20 in different... And just as I'm coming off the stage, I think they had a tragic event in Buffalo. Just as I'm coming on the stage, tragic event in Buffalo with numerous people being killed. In 18 months in Afghanistan, we lost nobody. In 18 months in Afghanistan, we lost nobody. Okay, so first of all, let's just start there. That's a lie. Under Donald Trump, 63 brave soldiers lost their lives. So he's lying, and he's using the deaths, or in this case, as he claims, non-deaths of soldiers, using it and making it all about him and how wonderful he is after a horrible shooting where innocent black people were gunned down. No thoughts and prayers. At a minimum, you'd think he would say something like that. He just mentions it, and then he talks about how great I am because no... American soldiers died in Afghanistan, which is also a lie. Ladies and gentlemen, I had it. I've had it with people that support this man, and I don't care what your reasons are for supporting Donald Trump. I don't care at this point. I am sick of it. How could anybody support this piece of scum? I mean, I, 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 more piece of scums. I mean, what do you mean? How I, do they? I'm starting to feel that way, Roxanne. I really am. I've had it with people. How can you support this guy? I, I'm really surprised, Brian, that you expected any more from him because I'm not surprised. My expectations are right where they are. They're as low as you can get. Mm -hmm. They're on the ground. They're under the ground. So I have no expectations that he's going to do anything or say anything that's going to be beneficial to uniting this country whatsoever. He is a narcissist at the highest degree. He loves the attention of look at me, pat me on the back, stroke my head. That's who he is. And so he doesn't care about anybody else. It's all about him. So in his mind, it's probably, okay, I probably should just lightly throw that in there. Mm-hmm. But he could give a crap left that these black people lost doesn't their care. lives. I agree. He, he could care less. Not even black people, but all the people that have died of COVID in he, general. No, you're he right. He could care less. You're no. right. I mean, I think black people are certainly at the bottom of the totem pole for him. I'll oh, certainly agree absolutely. with you on that one. He's, his, his life has proven that based on the comments he's made in his behavior. Would it, would it hurt a former president to say hate crimes cannot be tolerated. My heart, my my thoughts and prayers go out to these people. We can disagree on stuff, but you you, you can never you know turn to murder. What does he do? He mentions the shooting, 
doesn't say anything about color of skin or anything. He mentions the shooting, mm-hmm. and then immediately after five seconds of mentioning the shooting, and that's all he said, and he, he only makes it that, about himself. He only gave that a second. It right. was like in passing. Right. But, you know, to go back to the shooter, too, specifically, mm-hmm. is that he specifically targeted out this city because he said that they had the right. highest population. A couple of hours. People. You're right. He lived yes, a couple he, hours away. Yeah, and it, it wasn't and that far away. And he scoped it out the night before. He absolutely did. And he yeah. didn't say anything on any of his social media platforms because he didn't want law enforcement to be alerted to anything. So he came there prepared. I think if I could say anything that disappoints me the most is that I can think of black people that have died for selling cassettes, let's see, for a fake $100 bill, mm-hmm. for having a water gun, for just driving in their car and they are gunned down but yet you know this man has shot up all these people good point and he lived so i talked about that help me understand that i talked about that roxanne with a few people a few friends of mine who happened to be black last night and i said how is it that we can describe another mass shooter we remember uh the church shooting Mm -hmm. where that individual that scumbag was offered Burger King. Oh, yeah, because he was hungry. He was offered Burger King an hour after executing a bunch of innocent black people. And now we have another shooting involving another white, deranged, white supremacist, unscathed. So what do you think the message is to them? What, what do you think the message is that we're sending them? Because he could have done us all a favor and took his own life. Yeah. But the law enforcement is like, oh, we talked him down and he decided mm-hmm. not to. He could have done us all that great favor. And law enforcement could have done us a favor as well. Here's something interesting. And that took you, him out. So he has a weapon on him. Of course he does. And he's not given any deadly force. He's tackled. Okay. They know that he just killed a bunch of people. Okay. Why don't they shoot him? So that's, that's my point exactly. Yeah. Is that they, they did nothing other than, you know, talk him down, and he gives mm-hmm. up. I'm telling you, a black man selling cigarettes is dead. There is no question. A black man selling a cassette is dead. Yeah. A black woman reaching for a driver's license. We can go on and on and on we can. with no yeah. weapons whatsoever. Forget a deadly weapon, but no weapon we whatsoever We talked about the January 6th them. insurrection, and I said that if those were six or 700 black people, at least half of them probably wouldn't have made it out of there alive. That's my personal opinion. It would have been a, a shooting contest. Any of them. None of them um, would have. And I believe... There's no question in my mind that if this shooter was black, hypothetically speaking, close your eyes and think for a moment. And listen, we don't want anybody shooting anybody, but I'm just using this as a hypothetical. If this was a black man going into a Beverly Hills supermarket, I'm using that as an example. You think that black man would have gotten out of there alive? The answer is absolutely not. He didn't even have to go to a Beverly Hills supermarket. He could have just gone into Compton or Watts. He could have picked the worst. Anywhere. Yeah. neighborhood in this country mm-hmm. and he would not have walked out alive it's it's a very fair point and i listen i wish he took his own life i don't want my tax dollars going to pay for that scumbag's meals every day we don't know a lot about him but i got to tell you this while i don't at this point blame family members or parents in some situations i do the school shooting in connecticut i blame the mother for mm-hmm. allowing her mentally ill son to but that's a different subject i want to know about these parents And I want to know how, a year earlier, this scumbag threatened the lives of some of his students in a school, and he had a psychological evaluation. He did. And he was allowed to go back to school, and I want to know how he got his hands on these weapons. And for all of you scumbags out there that think more weapons are the answer, Mm -hmm. this type of weapon, law-abiding citizen or not, the type of weapon that he used should not be sold to the general public. Police officers, 
No problem. Our brave men and women in uniform, no problem. I don't want to hear you say, well, I enjoy using my weapons, my AR-15s to hunt deer. You're a moron. You don't need an AR-15 to hunt a deer. The police officer that lost his life, who was a hero, a former police officer, mm-hmm. security guard at the supermarket, who engaged the suspect, and God knows how many lives he saved by doing so, and he will always be a hero. He didn't make it, and he lost that gunfight because he didn't have the same type of weapon that this mm-hmm. scumbag had. And it drives me nuts. What do Republicans stand for? I'm sorry, Roxanne. I, I've lost it in the last few weeks. I don't understand what they stand for. I don't know. And now you have these elected officials like the disgusting Stefanik who has talked about the replacement theory. Mm-hmm. Do they not understand when they go home that when you bring up this sort of stuff, it gives people an avenue to commit horrific crimes? I remember the pipe, the guy who sent pipe bombs to CNN. Why did he do that? Why did he do that? Maybe when his hero, Donald Trump, calls CNN fake news and attacks them every day, it gives crazy – there's a lot of crazy people in the world. But thank God not all of them commit horrible crimes. But when you give them a reason to do so, this is what the end result is. You have a crazy white supremacist deranged individual who wants to kill as many innocent black people as possible. Quite frankly, I'm, I, I, thank God it wasn't more. I mean it's 10 people thank too many. God. It could have been even worse. And I see these people laying on the ground. In the last moments of their lives, what are they thinking? I mean, uh, you're just going to the supermarket. I'm just trying to get some groceries. And I, a grandmother, people in the community, good, hardworking people that did nothing wrong in their life. But let me tell you what this makes me think about sometimes, Brian, is that mm-hmm. when I am out and about and I am in the black community, I have to constantly be aware of where I'm at. I'm constantly scouting around stuff and who's looking out of place. Why must that be? Now, when I'm up in Summerlin, I don't have those concerns and I'm not thinking about it. Mm -hmm. But when I am in the black community or amongst predominantly black people, why must I be concerned about my surroundings and what deranged idiot might show up out of nowhere? Mm -hmm. I want to read you a quote from somebody. Fox News brings in these idiots. Uh, That's that, their job. Uh, and uh, one of them, in my opinion, is, is Bernard Zippor. Uh, he's discussing the cause of uh, mass shootings on Fox News today. <laughs> uh, he was a former special agent for the Firearms Division of the Department of Justice. Uh, he's a college instructor of criminal justice. Here's what he said on the air today on Fox News with John Scott. He said, it seems like these things have gotten so much worse since video games became realistic and so violent. Have you done research or learned that video games tend to just uh, desensitize people uh, to the actual result of pulling the trigger? I, I got to tell you, man, people like that are, are such morons and buffoons. Uh, it's not a shocker that somebody on Fox News would make a statement no, like that. We've had, we've had very serious, uh, you know, I guess you could say violent video games for a long time. Video games had nothing to do in this 180-page document or manifesto. I am positive that video games were not mentioned no, not at all what was mentioned in this document and we know this for sure is what many of the right wingers i shouldn't say many but some of the alt-right talking about this replacement theory mm-hmm. and the same hate speech that donald trump spews almost on a daily basis this shooting had nothing to do with video games because if it had something to do with video games he wouldn't have just he would have just first of all it would have been random shootings it wouldn't be targeted black to people. black people right. can you find me a video game where you just <laughs> kill black people first of all it wouldn't be on the market it, okay, well, but it might be now. Don't 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 I hope speak not. too soon I hope because not. you never know. I hope not. But you get my point. There, you get this Absolutely. idiot on Fox News who has no idea what he's talking about, and, and he's saying that video games are the cause of this. How could you be that 
dumb and irresponsible. Well, I think that they spent a lot of time going out of way where you're trying to figure out, okay, what can we come up with as a narrative to justify why this took place other than mm-hmm. the reality of why it actually took place. Mm-hmm. And every law enforcement entity in this country will tell you it was straight up a planned, mm-hmm. thought out, executed hate crime at the hands Period. of a white supremacist absolutely it wouldn't surprise me if he had some proud boy uh uh friends of his uh there are people in my life uh sadly not uh, thank god not in my life anymore people that i had to hang out with every day that mm-hmm. had proud boy members as friends um despicable and it's interesting that you know listen you'll hear it from the appropriate people right jesse jackson al sharpton don't always agree with them mm-hmm. but yes you want to hear from people in the black community and black leaders uh i, I haven't heard much from scott I haven't heard of much from from black Republicans. There's not many of them out there. I don't know. That number's growing. You That's know, true. That's sad, a good thing. Sadly, I don't know if it's a good thing because well, they're not assimilating to bring some clarity and some understanding. They're assimilating for the benefits that they think that it's going to bring to them. I I understand. Uh, I, I do agree uh, with you on that. Uh, Leo Terrell is not a politician, but he's somebody that I've interviewed a bunch of times. He gets paid a lot of money now on Fox News, and he just says whatever will make him popular uh, with the Republicans. I have no respect for people like that. Leo Terrell's not a Republican. He's a Democrat. He's been a civil rights attorney for years, but now he got his job on Fox News, and he takes all the Sean Hannity talking points. So you're right. I agree with that. Uh, uh, Candace Owens is another name that mm-hmm. comes to mind. All she cares about is Twitter clicks. She doesn't care about black people. She cares about how many books she sells. So you're right. I do think there are some decent Republicans still out there because I've interviewed some of them in the last few months. So I do think more minorities in the Republican Party is a good but, thing. But here's the thing, though, Brian. And there are a ton of good people in the Republican Party, but they're scared to speak up and speak out. Because they kiss the ring of Donald Trump. Or even if they're not kissing the ring, they're not going to go against kissing the ring. And so their voices are silent. Mm -hmm. Even though they don't stand for what he stands for and believe in what he believes in, their voices are silent because of the repercussions they think that Mm -hmm. might come to them if they speak out for what's right. And the gun violence is not getting any better. It's getting worse. Uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, we had a mass shooting, several shootings, by the way, in Wisconsin. Chicago, we had uh, a mass shooting uh, at a church. Uh, uh, by the way, a, a man who is Asian, who is from Las Vegas, committed that crime. Don't know why. Uh, but he just walked into a church. Start, and by the way, the heroes in that church were able to uh, confine him and take his weapons away. Otherwise, more people mm-hmm. could have been shot. And then just in Las Vegas the other day, what was thought to be a shooting, and I'm so glad it wasn't, but it yes. reminded me a little bit of October 1 where we had this festival down there at Sahara and Las Vegas Boulevard where people thought it was a shooting and it was fireworks and, and several people were injured, had to go to the hospital, were trampled, and there was not a very good exit plan. So we'll talk about it as well. She is Roxanne McCoy. She is the president of the local Las Vegas NAACP. So, so glad she is here. I uh, wish it was under better circumstances, but uh, we're taking your phone calls. I'll open up the phone lines. 221 Three, and here's the number that I will ask. What do you make of all these mass shootings over the weekend, particularly the one in Buffalo where a white supremacist 18-year-old scumbag decides to shoot up a bunch of people in a supermarket with, again, another one of these assault rifles? How do we end the carnage? What do you make of these Republicans talking about replacement theory? This is the same stuff that was in the manifesto of this 18-year-old that committed this heinous crime. 
What are your thoughts on that? Should some Republicans be held responsible for what took place there in Buffalo? Again, the number to call, 702-221-7283. And again, that number if you want to be a part of the conversation, 221-7283. She's Roxanne McCoy, as I mentioned, the president of the local NAACP. Ask her questions as well. We'll take some of your calls on the other side of the break. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. Pushing the Limits on a Monday. Glad you could join us. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, by the way, former presidential candidate. Did I say bottom of the hour? Top of the hour. It's Monday. Right now we're in the bottom of the hour. Thank you, Nunchuck. Top of the hour, Joe Walsh will be joining us, former presidential candidate and former Chicago congressman. I know he has some strong opinions on white supremacy. Uh, What a great follow, by the way, he is uh, on social media. That's that's for sure. But anyway, uh, we have Roxanne McCoy joining us in studio now. She is the president of the uh, NAACP. Roxanne, I do appreciate you being here. Like I said, I wish it was under better circumstance. I wish we didn't have to uh, talk about these mass shootings uh, over and over and over again. It's just terrible. I do want to read you uh, a part of the questioning of this 18-year-old mm-hmm. who committed this heinous act in Buffalo. I don't know how some of this got out, but it has gotten out. I can't verify it, but it certainly sounds like it is, uh, I guess, what's the word I'm trying to use? Uh, authentic. Um, apparently, this 18-year-old was asked in questioning, was there a particular event or reason why you decided to commit this violent attack? Here's his response. Before I begin, I will say that I was not born racist nor grew up to be racist. I simply became racist after I learned the truth, he says. He said, uh, it was during an outbreak of COVID where I, at a boredom I did some research online. I would normally browse because I'm a gun nut and because I love the outdoors. Uh, I learned through uh, I learned that uh, in memes that the white race is dying out. He learned in memes. In memes. Yeah, uh, right wing wow. memes. That the white house, uh, that the white, white people are dying out, he said. Uh, and then he said blacks are disproportionately killing whites. The average black takes 700000 from taxpayers in their lifetime. And that the Jews and the elite were behind this. Now, I don't want to read any more of this because it just gets, me, gets my blood boiling. But here is somebody who clearly listened to the right-wing propaganda and rhetoric. And not listen, not every Republican is like this. I understand that. Uh, no way, shape, or form. But the alt-right is. And he read some of this stuff and this misinformation, and he used it. And he used it to fill up that hatred. He was obviously already extremely mentally ill and and deranged, but he fed off of this right-wing rhetoric and hatred, and uh, now we have 10 people that are dead. So think think about this, because when, when listening to you read that, and he said memes, it's like, well, can he not read that he had to just look at pictures? I mean, that's just utterly ridiculous. And he said that out loud to someone. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I read somewhere, or maybe just on the call I was on, that they said that he had some mental illness issues prior to this i think that he might have been diagnosed with yeah and so you know he's just watching and listening to that stuff and too much time on his hand and he's just internalizing it and 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 making himself believe 
all of this ignorance because he has no facts whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, uh, conspiracy not, not theories. That's what it is, and that's why I get so angry with people when it comes to conspiracy theories, especially when it comes to our democracy. Uh, January sixth, those were conspiracy theories. The big lie. That's why people died that day. Conspiracy theories are very dangerous. Listen, if you're one of those people that thinks nine eleven was an inside job, obviously I'm not one of those people. Uh, you can you can think those things. Uh, it's not necessarily going to kill or harm anyone if you believe that. But if you believe that. Uh, you know, Democrats stole the election, or if you believe that every black person is getting seven hundred thousand dollars of your tax money, I which is mine. absurd. Yeah, I mean, that I sounds want, great. I want, I want mine. Yeah, that sounds really nice. It's just not true. Uh, but these are the type of things that this deranged individual believed. So I don't know. As the president of uh, of the Las Vegas NAACP, what can we do if we're not policymakers? What can we do besides call it out, which I try to do? Yeah. What else can we do? I, I don't know. Well, you know what? I think that one thing that we could do, especially being the president of the NAACP, is that I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to allow your voice to be heard through the ballots. Mm -hmm. And I know that they're trying to put things in place to try to block us from doing that as well. But we have to get out and vote. And we have to pay attention to the people that we are putting in office. And too often, when we don't do that enough, we get the people that look like Marjorie Taylor Greene in office. We get the Donald Trumps of the world in office because we take it for granted that it's somebody else's responsibility. And so what I would say is that if we want things to change we have to be in the game and a part of the change. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that starts with the people that we put in place to represent us. I agree. Speaking of which, and, and, and I'll open up the phone lines on this, uh, Elise Stefanik, one of uh, the biggest staunch supporters of Donald Trump, mm-hmm. she's talked about this replacement theory uh, over and over and over again, how white people are being replaced. Uh, over and over again. And by the way, she's not the only one. Like I mentioned, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boeber, Jim Jordan, they, they, the, the nut jobs have, have all done it. So my question to the listeners right now is as follows. Do you think some of these alt-right Republicans should be held accountable? Do you believe we need to change our gun laws? Or are you one of those people that just believes that the only person should, that should be held responsible is the person that held the tr- uh, that pulled the trigger? Number to call 702-221-7283. And again, that number, if you want to be a part of the program, is 221-7283. Now, my response to that, Roxanne, is, you know, I'll answer my own question, which is, of course, the person who pulled the trigger needs to be held to the, to accountable. I wish he got the electric chair. As far as I'm concerned, I wish every family member could stone him to death. Uh, but Or better yet, just shoot him. Yeah, really yeah I wouldn't have had a problem with the police right. doing that. That's you know? for sure. One or less each nut. Each family on. member, just take the gun and shoot him, even though it was, it's not really going to accomplish anything. But the one thing that we have to keep in mind, too, Brian, when we keep on talking about the rhetoric from the far right wing and the people that are like ride or die hard for Donald Trump, look at our elected officials that's running for office right now in this city. Let's bring it local. And they are dying to get an endorsement from Donald Trump. I mean, and when they get it, it's like their badge of honor. And it's people that you think is just like, well, wait a minute. You know, and the and the elected officials that's running for office that don't get his endorsement use every opportunity they can to use his rhetoric in their advertisement, their talking points. We have to be mindful of that and pay attention to those conversations. Oh, no question. Every one of these candidates uh, locally, you know, when they get that endorsement from Donald Trump, uh, it's they go all over social media with it. Uh, it's incredible to me. Uh, it's it's disgusting, but. Some of them 
do it and do it for one reason only because they know it's it's their uh, walkway into winning an election. Hopefully, um, that's, that's but it's that. funny because it didn't win him the election. That's true. I mean, people forget. You know, Donald Trump lost the popular vote to Hillary Clinton. Uh, he certainly lost the popular vote to Joe Biden. Uh, the overwhelming majority of people in this country do not support Donald Trump. But the way our electoral college is set up, I am not one of those people that's going to sit here, Roxanne, and say he has no chance if he runs again. I'm not going to say that either. at all. I'm not going to say that at all. Um, I just don't understand in this day and age how you can hear the news, because it was all over the news about these shootings over the weekend, and all you want to tweet about is Hunter Biden's laptop. Or you want to talk about a woman uh, should not have the right to choose that you're pro-life. You want to talk about a documentary called 2,000 Mules, which is a farce. The entire documentary is a lie. But these are what some of these people on the right did all weekend. And many of the people, like I said, who talk about them being pro-life are the opposite of pro-life. They don't even mention any of these shootings that happened over the weekend. And as soon as a baby is born, they're against food stamps. They're against welfare. They're, they're against most government programs that would help a struggling family raise a child. But um, it's more white people on those programs. Yeah. That's the thing that they're not talking about. That's the thing that's in their false narrative. Because there's more white people taking advantage of those programs than they are black people. Mm-hmm. And so it's just hypocritical at the end of the day. I agree with you. I wanted to ask you about this. I wanted to ask you about uh, what is going on in this country when it comes to a woman's right to choose. First of all, what were your thoughts when you first heard of the, the memo of the Supreme Court that was released by Politico? Uh, obviously, you know my thoughts on it. I think it's utterly ridiculous and disgusting. The overwhelming majority of people in this country, I think somewhere around 70%, believe in a woman's right to choose. Those are, that includes Republicans, by the way. What are your thoughts on this whole situation now? Because as... You know, I would imagine as the president of the NAACP here in Las Vegas, you help a lot of struggling moms that uh, maybe the, the, there's no man in their life and they're, they're raising kids. And uh, so what do you make? That's a very difficult decision for a woman to make. But what, what are your thoughts on that? I wanted to get your thoughts on that. You know, I was really disappointed to hear. I wasn't surprised, but I was disappointed. And I knew kind of when we were watching how the judges were coming into play and what their makeup was, if they were Republican or Democrat, or who brought them in, you can kind of see those things lining up to take place. And this is just only the tip of the iceberg. But at the end of the day, it's not really about an abortion right or a woman's right. It's really about dollars. You know, they're pandering to the evangelical churches where they get a lot of money from it's all about the dollars. So if I choose my narrative and make it towards something that you believe in, then maybe I will get more money at the end of the day. But for me, as a woman, mm-hmm. I can't think of a person other than God that has a right to tell me what to do with my body. And isn't it interesting? And I agree with you. Isn't it interesting that most of the people that are telling you what to do with your body are middle-aged men? <laughs> that no, don't know no, what no. it's like to be middle-aged white men. That's true. You know, it ain't just middle-aged men. Why They're is this a race men. issue, you think? Because they like control. They like power. They like controlling the narrative. Mm-hmm. They could give a crap less about my body. You go to the foster homes and look at how many black babies are in there that they are not adopting, they are not caring for, they are not giving families extra money to take these babies, and these babies sit there and they grow through that system. Mm-hmm. Where we get white mothers that are adopting babies from Ukraine, they are adopting babies from all these other countries, from China, everywhere else. 
they're not getting these black babies. Why don't, why don't we have uh, – it's funny because all these uh, – it's interesting you bring that up because a lot of these white people, white politicians mm-hmm. that say a, a, a woman should not have the right to choose, they're not pro-life. They're, they're anti-abortion. Uh, do, do I see them adopting 100 black babies? You see them adopting zero. Exactly. I mean, the whatsoever. biggest hypocrites on the planet. So they're not going to adopt a bunch of black babies, but they're going to tell a bunch of black women what to do with their body. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, I don't agree with late-term abortion. And they're telling th- all women. They're not just telling black women. They're yeah. telling all women. But all women. It's, right. it, it's going to affect a lot of us across uh, across the gamut. The only difference is going to be it's going to be it's going to come down to the haves and the have-nots. Mm-hmm. Because the white women that seek to get those abortions, they will simply go to a state where it's legal. I agree. And it, to me, it's, it, it's hypocrisy at its finest. When we talked about the vaccines constantly, and I had these plenty of conversations with you about this uh, from the alt-right, my body, my choice. Okay, no problem. Right. <laughs> but when it comes to abortion, all of a sudden it's not, not my body, my, my, my choice. choice. <laughs> these people are some of the, the dumbest hypocrites uh, on the planet. And again, many of the pro – again, I hate to use the term pro-life because they're, they're, they're not, not pro-life. They're not pro-life at all. As soon as the baby is born, they're against every government program to help, help that child. But where were they this weekend? If they're so pro-life, what are you doing to end gun violence? What are you doing to stop the mass carnage in these ma- – some of these people didn't even talk about it this weekend, and they call themselves pro-life. It, to me, it's just so disgusting, and I'm getting so fed up with it, man. And, and day by day that goes by, I guess some people are like, Brian, you're sounding more like a Democrat every day. Right now, I could never vote for a Republican. I really don't think I could. There are few of them that I could. But it's it's really hard for me. It's hard. I don't know what they stand for these days. Well, when they? I hear, I don't know. I mean, when I hear Democrats and somebody asks me, "What do Democrats stand for these days?" I have a pretty good understanding answer. They're not perfect, but equality. I think most Democrats are pro Black Lives Matter. I'd but like they, to think. But they what they they don't stand for is hatred. Right. They don't stand for that. And Whether I it's sexual orientation it, or the color of your period. skin. Uh, all the Democrats that I speak to and I hear of, they don't tolerate racism. No. They talk about it all the time. They do talk about gun control. They try to pass proper gun legislation. They try to help families that are struggling. They're the ones that try to help with the food stamps and the welfare and universal health care, Obamacare. And you hear Republicans all the time. Get rid of Obamacare. Oh, really? What's your solution? They don't have any they solutions. Don't. A typical Republican is like Jim Jordan. Okay, <laughs> Jim Jordan is a guy. All he does is attack the left. That's all he does. He's never passed anything. Never once has he passed anything. All right, number to call 702. Number to call 702-221-7283. Who uh Lauren is up first. Hi Lauren, what's going on? Um well, I first off, I'm a Republican. Uh second off, I have eight children, uh four of which were adopted that are black. Um and my other children are biracial. So as far as, you know, I, I know your, your intent is not to lump all Republicans in. Not, no, I'm, uh, not do, I'm not doing one, that with all Republicans. You know I would never do that. I'm not saying all Republicans are like that. And God bless you, sir. What I am saying is there are a large percentage of the right alt. The alt right. The, uh, no way, shape, or form would I ever say all Republicans are this or that. I don't generalize like that, but I do think a lot of the alt right. And I think you know what I'm talking about. The people out there that are so, they call themselves pro life, they're not like you, sir. They're not like you, Lauren. They're but, not adopting a bunch of black babies. That's the point I was trying to make. Well, I mean, my, like I said, my, my, my children are adopted and, and biological. Sure. But my, my point is this. I, I think that we are terribly separated in this country. Mm-hmm. And we, 
honestly need to find a way to to get together somehow. I don't care what your political affiliation is. My wife's a Democrat. I'm a Republican. Okay. I, I think that the reason that I initially joined the, uh, the Republican Party was I liked uh, what they did as, as far as the race issue, because I grew up during uh, the civil rights era. Can I ask and it you wasn't what? the Democrats? It wasn't the Democrats that were were uh, opening up schools in the South and allowing black children to come in. Sure, it was a Republican president that went that sent the army down to ensure that these children went in. in Lauren, safety. there's no question. You're a hundred percent right. But things have changed. I want to ask you, as a Republican, what do you think of somebody like Elise Stefanik? who uh, talks about replacement theory, and then when we hear about this shooter, uh, he talked a lot about replacement theory. Would you ever vote for a, for a person like Stefanik? No, I, I, no, because race doesn't make any difference to me. My, my family is very diverse. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Like, I, 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 I'm English, Irish, and Tahitian. Understood. But I have, okay. I have a question for you, though, Lauren. When you're talking to your, and, and if you have any, because you may not, because as we stated earlier, and I know that I did, is that not all Republicans are like that, but the, the ones that have this hatred within them are louder than those that do not. So when you encounter, when you encounter someone such as that, how do you approach them to say that that is not right, that that is wrong? Well, I mean, I, I engage everybody. So I mean, my my thing is this: if 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 I if I see that they're that they're on the wrong track, I don't have a problem confronting anybody. Mm-hmm. I think probably the first thing I would do is show them a picture with me and my children, right? You know, and say, "Hey, this makes no difference to me." Sure. My brother's married to a Jew. My sister's married to a Hawaiian Chinese gentleman. We're 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 a very diverse family. But how do you teach them to understand what diversity looks like? Because that's well. The, how do you, you teach anybody the the, the the way that the way that I do? My, my degree is in anthropology. Mm-hmm. I I I, I uh, and I grew up around the military, and I, I mean, it made no difference what your race was in the military. Yeah, and I was drafted into the military in '72. So, I mean, my my, my experience in, in life has been. It never made any difference. I grew up in Hawaii and Las Vegas. Well, Lauren, I, I have to get to some other calls, Lauren, but let me say this. I understand. I, obviously, I wish there were more Republicans, just more people out there in the world like you. Sadly, there's not. And, I, and I don't know what we can do about it to, to, to change things, Lauren, but I do appreciate your phone call, and I appreciate you. And I mean that. I wish there were more people out there like you, Lauren. You're, you're a good guy. Uh, uh, I don't care whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. And by the way, you're a ne- good person. Right. Never have I ever generalized as all Republicans. These days, as far as the party goes, I don't know what they stand for. Uh, number to call. Thank you for the call, Lauren. Appreciate you. 221 7283. Again, the number 702 221 7283. We're also joined in studio here by Roxanne McCoy, the president of the Las Vegas uh, NAACP. Let's go to John. John is next. What's going on, John? Hey, John. Hey, guys. Hey, Roxy, I got to ask you, did. Uh... <laughs> J.D., the uh, deadbeat mooch scumbag, uh, ever pay off the bet? You know he didn't, and you know he had no intentions of it, so no. Hey, can you pay online? (laughs) I'll pay. So for those of you you that have no idea what John is talking about, um, 
And I have no problem in saying this. A former uh, co-host of mine made bets with a number of people, including Roxanne. He has not paid his bets. So, I, I, by the way, I can verify that. That is a true story because he also owes me money on the election, which he hasn't mm-hmm. paid me either. Go ahead, John. Let's move on now. Go ahead. What, what a dead. Hey, can, you, can, you, uh, can I donate online, Roxy? Absolutely you can. Give out the okay. information. No, no, I'll I'll, uh, no, I'll donate the hundred bucks that uh, that's stiff. Oh, I thought I thought he meant to the JD never paid. <laughs> I, I thought I thought he meant donate to the NAACP. I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Go ahead, John. <laughs> uh, I, I'm gonna uh, uh, I'm gonna strongly disagree uh, with what you the last caller there, uh, Lauren. Um, look, man. Uh, Donald Trump is a bad dude, okay? He's an opportunist. He has no political convictions. His only conviction is, what puts me in power and how can I become king? Mm-hmm. And he sees these radical right nut jobs, you know, basically white trash who've lost at life and want to blame immigrants and people of color for their failures. And it's, it's what? How much... What percent of the Republican Party is that? It's like 50%, right? I mean, it's, it's up there. It's like 30% of the, the general population. Um, Lauren's got to leave the Republican Party. <laughs> you know, he's got to say, uh, I'm in bed with some real scumbags. I got to get the hell out of here. I got to go join the Democrats. So, you know, I, I think we're in this problem because Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are weak and feckless. They have a bully pulpit. They never use it. So Trump gets up there every day, holds these rallies, he spews his hate, he spews his BS, and they never respond. Every day they need to go up there and respond. And that's number one. And number two is those who are good people in the Republican Party need to leave, like Steve Schmidt, uh, Nicole Wallace. Liz Cheney, for God's sake, has taken a loud vocal stand. I can tell you right now, as as much as uh, a lot of Democrats would disagree with a lot of what Liz Cheney stands for, if Liz Cheney today said, you know what, I think I'm going to become a a Democrat, I think they would welcome her with open arms. You know what's so funny is the people that used to drive me freaking crazy, Cheney, her dad, and her, and and Nicole Wallace on uh, Morning Joe before she got her own show, and Steve Schmidt used to drive me bananas because he's so smart and he's so articulate, and he always was able to find the way to to poke a hole in any Democratic argument. But, man, they've got character. They've got spine. They're willing to point out that, hey, this is a terribly misguided party. I got to leave, man. I got I got to get out. I can't stay here. And that's which Lauren sounds like one of my dates. Over to the yeah. Democrat side, buddy. We're good. And some of us are blue dog Democrats. You know, that seven hundred thousand dollars a person. How much has the Walton family gained? Yeah. Trillions in the the number one. Uh, uh, benefactor of food stamps are Walmart employees, and you got six Walton kids yeah. who did nothing in life, but win the last name lo- last name lottery worth trillions of dollars, and they're yeah. the beneficiary of that. So, yeah, well, please. reminds me on a smaller scale. Uh, thank you for the call, John. Appreciate you. Reminds me on a small scale of Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's accomplished absolutely nothing in her life. Comes from a wealthy family, mm-hmm. uh, you know, had a lot of money. Uh, now in office. And uh, I think the and we're going to talk to Joe Walsh, by the way, coming up next about uh, the alt right. Listen, Joe Walsh used to be a, a raging Republican, right? He was a Trump supporter. He voted for Trump. He's completely changed his tune. So I think what John is talking about, we have the perfect person coming up next because that's the mm-hmm. person who said, "That's it. I'm done." So he that, saw the light. Right. He saw. He saw <laughs> the light. Um, 
before we go to break, I want I want you, Roxanne, because you do so much uh, wonderful work uh, for so many people in this community. Can you give out the information if people want to donate to the local NAACP? By the way, you're a volunteer. It's all voluntary work. And the stuff you do is incredible. You change lives. Can you give out the information for some of our listeners, uh, how they become uh, active and maybe donating money and helping? Mm-hmm. They can go to our website, which is naacplv.org. So again, that's NAACPLV.org. And you can go, you can find out how you can become a member. You can kind of see some of the work that we've been doing in the community and how you can get involved as well. Uh, and, I, and I hope people are able to do that because of the wonderful work that you guys do here at the Thank local. You. And you know, nationally, of course, too, the NAACP, but, but the, the good work that you do here as well. All right, Roxanne McCoy is nice enough. She's going to be sticking around for one more segment, mm-hmm. uh, one more segment of torture. And uh, <laughs> But coming up next... Uh, Former presidential candidate and former Chicago congressman, Joe Walsh, former staunch Trump supporter, former Republican. I don't think he calls himself much of a Republican these days. I want to get his thoughts on white supremacy. I want to get his thoughts on Trumpism. I want to get his thoughts on people in the Republican Party right now that talk about replacement uh, theory when it comes to white people. I don't think they're going to be mentioning it anytime soon, but I guarantee you it'll come up again, maybe in a few weeks, maybe in a month. I don't know. So we're going to ask him about all that stuff coming up next and and continue to talk about uh, what has been a very difficult, uh, well, it's been a difficult few years, no question about it, but a difficult weekend for so many grieving families that have lost loved ones in mass shootings, uh, particularly, of course, the one in Buffalo where people were targeted and killed because of the color of their skin. No other reason. Because of the color of their skin, good, good, hardworking Americans, a former police officer, a grandmother that was just getting some stuff at the supermarket. She was going to bake a cake for her grandchildren, and she's dead now. And the families have to bury these innocent people. Why? Because of one deranged individual who got his hands on a weapon that he should have never been able to have, a weapon of war. And listen to some of the right-wing rhetoric when it comes to replacement theory. Oh, you don't believe me? Trust me, we're going to hear it in court in the manifesto. We're going to hear it all for you deniers out there. And people within the Republican Party, no question, should be held partially responsible for what this deranged individual did. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with Joe Walsh. Coming up next, it's Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Monday. So glad you could join us. We also have the president of the Las Vegas NAACP, Roxanne McCoy, joining me in studio, talking about the carnage, the mass shootings, white supremacy, and responsibility on the right. Well, the guy joining us on the line right now, man, I always love having him on. Uh, he's, he's a great follow on social media. He has a great podcast. He's a former presidential candidate, of course, a former congressman out of Chicago. The great Joe Walsh joining us right now on the line. Joe, I always appreciate it when you take the time, my friend. How are you? Brian, I love your show. I love being on with you. And Roxanne, hello there. Hey, Joe. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Thanks for everything you do. Thank you. Know, you. Two of my favorite guests on at the same time. I love this. So, so Joe, I wish it was under better circumstances, right? As, as a former congressman and Republican, uh, you know uh, the rhetoric on the right when it comes to replacement theory, right? The Stefanics of the world. And then you hear about this shooter in Buffalo that kills people because they are black for no other reason. What do you make of this story? What do you make of the gun he was using? What do you make of this replacement theory that some Republicans out there have been spewing? What do you make of this? Uh, first off, uh, 
and I know we're all tired of the phrase thoughts and prayers, but my God, think of those families, pray for those families, the loss they've suffered. Look, I'm a former Republican. The base of the Republican Party is fully radicalized. Brian, you and I have talked about that, man. Uh, the truth doesn't matter. Democracy doesn't matter. Uh, all decency doesn't matter. And and what what's happened is the worst instincts of the right since the election of Trump have come out mm -hmm. and have come out from under the rock. And this notion of white nationalism and white supremacy and America is becoming less white by the day. And there are people on the right who refuse to accept that. And Brian, as you mentioned, there are people uh, in right wing media, my former world, who inflame it. And it's no surprise that violence happens. You know, you, you've been pretty open and honest uh, about a lot of things, but you go after Tucker Carlson, as I do, uh, for a lot of different reasons. Do you remember, Joe, after the Texas El Paso shooting at that Walmart where that person decided another white supremacist to kill a bunch of brown people because of red the rhetoric put out there by the right? And then a week or two after that shooting, Tucker Carlson says the idea of white supremacy doesn't exist. I mean, do you partially blame some of these people, like the Tucker Carlson's of the world, for inflaming the hatred? Hey, Brian, it's a great question, and, and and I will say yes, they inflame, and they purposely rile up, and Tucker Carlson every damn night purposely pisses off his audience. Uh, I, I I agree with all of that, and Brian, as you and I have talked about in Roxanne, I've been very public the last five years. I was part of that world, and I did some of that. Uh, there's no doubt um, that that they inflame people like this. But again, is Tucker Carlson responsible for what happened in Buffalo? I can't go there. But damn right, they inflame this stuff. But you know, Joe, like, I am glad you've seen the light <laughs> and have migrated over it to the... It took me a while, to, But that's okay. Better late than not at all, right, is what I'm going to go with. But my question would be for you is the same one that I asked um, John and Lauren earlier. When you encounter, and not John, but Lauren, when you encounter those extreme right-wing Republicans, how do you talk to them to make them understand that they're just, they're doing Jim Jones, they're drinking the Kool-Aid, that's not a good flavor? How do you convince them to see things in the real world versus this hate-filled, distorted world in which they so happily become a part of? Oh, Roxanne, that's such a great question. And and Brian knows every week, because I got out of the Trump mega cult, uh, because I call myself a reformed gangbanger, every week I'm trying to save other members of the gang. And uh, I drank a lot of tequila this last Friday night, Roxanne, because I did rescue last week two people from the Trump cult. But man, uh, hundreds of others are just unreachable. What I try to do is put basic truths in front of them repeatedly, like Joe Biden won in 2020. And I, I find that when you put truths in front of them and you keep hammering the truths, eventually you can break some of them. But Roxanne, you know what the deal is. My former political party, we're primarily talking about middle-aged, older white people. Mm -hmm. And this country is becoming less white by the day this has been happening for years, 
and it that angers and confuse, confuses them. And you've got to talk to them and listen to them. But damn it, you got to tell them this is a good thing. Diversity is a good thing. Absolutely. Um, it's not easy to do. Joe, we've but talked. You know, Go ahead, Roxy. But you know, um, like Brian and I both said, there are a lot of very good people in the Republican Party. How do we empower them to use their voice to be louder than the ignorance? Because we have a lot of good people that are over there that have sense, that have really good sense, that have really good values. But I think the minority are the loudest. And how do we get those that are in the majority that believe in fairness for all, that wants to end racism, that wants the truth to be told about what our true history of this country is, how do we get them to not be in the shadows anymore and to stand up and be in the light? You, uh, uh, Most of them, uh, Roxanne, are cowards. And I say that as a former congressman, and I say that as a former right-wing radio host. Um, you want to get reelected, so you want votes, and you want listeners. You want ratings, so you say what you say on the radio. So what needs to change is the incentive structure, because feeding them BS and feeding them bigotry and feeding them fear works. Mm -hmm. You'll get reelected and you'll have a really popular radio show. So I tend to be of the school of thought, Roxanne, that this is on the voter and this is on the Republican uh, base. Uh, they have to make it rewarding for politicians to tell them the truth because there will not be enough uh, courageous politicians who did what I did because they want to get reelected. Something, Joe, that we've talked about with you and I talk about on this show, obviously guns. You know, we hear the story in Buffalo of this former police officer, a hero, security guard, who uh, got into a gun battle with this 18-year-old. Sadly, he lost. There's an example of a good guy losing. And I say, well, you know why he lost? He lost because he didn't have uh, an assault rifle. He didn't have the type of weapon that this 18-year-old was able to get his hands on. And we don't know how he got his hands on it. But this is a weapon that was designed to kill as many people as possible in a short period of time. This hero, former police officer, didn't have that weapon. And he lost. So, you know, I tell people all the time, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday, Joe Biden's not doing anything in the gun issue. No. He's trying to, but the reason why he can't get anything passed is because of Republicans. I mean, when you look at the school shooting in Connecticut, I can go way back to even Columbine. It's the, and you know this, the majority of Republicans will not allow Democrats to pass, you know, proper legislation, you know, when it comes to guns. So what are your thoughts on that? I, uh, and Brian, this is an issue that where you and I probably definitely disagree on things. I'm a big gun rights guy. Look, I think, I think the focus has got to be on doing everything we can up front to make sure that somebody who shouldn't have a gun doesn't. I think if if uh, gun control folks want to go down the road of banning certain guns, I just think that's a non-starter. So how did this guy get his gun, this 18-year-old guy? Um, he bought it legally in New York uh, because New York has a law where you can buy a long gun legally at 18 or over, but you can't buy a pistol. Uh, if you want to change that law in New York, New York's got to change that law. But but the, the bottom line, Brian, is on, on the gun thing, something like four-fifths of all guns that are purchased now, long and short, are semi-automatic guns. That means every time you pull the trigger, man, you're shooting a bullet. You're mm -hmm. shooting something. 
um, you, you can't get rid of those guns because that's virtually every gun, long and short, that people buy now. But they're modifying them. They're buying those pieces now after they've gotten those guns, and then they're modifying them to make them more lethal than they already are. So I, I am a big gun advocate. I don't want anyone to tell me I can't own a gun. But when you are modifying them to kill tons of people at one time, that's a problem. That's a big problem. And that isn't going against um, anybody's right to own a firearm. Well, and Roxanne, to that point, and it's a good point, this 18-year-old bought the gun legally, but he illegally put a high-capacity magazine on it. So he modified it on his own. Uh, again, look, it, it, this is a state law in New York. Then the, the, and by the way, New York is a very democratic state. They can do something about that. I just think, I mean, look what we had last yesterday, guys. We had that in Buffalo. Uh, we had a shooting okay. in Houston outside a flea market. Mm -hmm. Five young Hispanic men got in a fight and started shooting at each other. We had a 60-year-old Asian person walk into an Asian church in California and start shooting each other. Um, I just, boy, I, I think the focus has got to be less on the gun and and more on mental health and 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 keeping as best as we can guns outside of the hands of people at the beginning yeah. people yeah. who shouldn't have them and i'm all about guys universal yeah. background checks sure but doing joe, whatever we can up front joe i'm i'm with you i think we can do all of that the problem i have is that it's nothing's being done i mean literally nothing i mean what after the october one shooting in las vegas trump was talking a tough game on guns what we got rid of bump stocks that's not right. going to do anything that's that's not enough and listen joe I know you're a good man, and I know you become friends with Mr. Gutenberg. Uh, I have as well. He comes on this show all the yeah. time. He lost his daughter in the uh, Parkland shooting. Uh, you know, And I love the fact that you guys have these conversations. And we're able to do that. We don't have to agree on everything. But most people, yep. just like you, reasonable people agree with comprehensive background checks. We can't even get the simplest of things done in Washington. And I think a big part of that is the fact that the NRA is in the back pockets of some of these Republicans. That's my opinion. Am I wrong? I agree. Uh, you are. You've always been right, but that's changing. I'm a big gun owner. I'm no longer a member of the NRA because I consider it to be a corrupt organization mm -hmm. that's lost its way. There are a lot of conservative gun owners like me. I think what's going to the only way we're going to get movement, Brian, on this issue of background checks is conservative gun owners like me getting very public and outspoken. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's I think that's beginning to happen more and more. I really do. Yeah. So, Joe, I want background checks. I want to read your tweet that you put out. I couldn't agree with it more. You recently uh -oh. put out. a No, no, it's a good tweet. <laughs> I'm not going back to a tweet from like six or seven years ago, Joe. <laughs> I, don't worry. I won't do that. We I think the first time I interviewed you, we talked about that. We've moved on from that. Um, you, you tweeted something out today. It says everyone should condemn what happened in Buffalo. Everyone. Everyone should condemn white supremacy. Everyone. You saw Trump up there on a stage over the weekend. He mentioned the shooting for two seconds. He didn't even mention the term white supremacy. He never does. Uh, are those the type of people that you're talking about? Because it seemed like some, not all, but some on the extreme right refuse to even address white supremacy, let alone talk about it. Because they're cowards. And I don't talk about Trump because Trump's an idiot. He doesn't count. Uh, they're cowards. Told you. Uh, my former Republican colleagues know that this is a problem in the Republican Party base. 
but they are afraid, Brian, to call it out for the same reason they've been afraid for years to call out Trump and everything else. It's all about the base. They're afraid of the base. They want to get reelected. And if you came out right now and condemned white supremacy as a Republican running for office, you're going to have problems getting reelected. Isn't that sad? But then Can that you, means they're cowards. They're you, not leaders. They're did followers. You, did you think, Joe, cowards, Roxanne, I guess it's a question to both of you, Joe and Roxanne. Joe, I'll start with you. Did you think in the year 2022 that you would ever make a statement like that, by the way, which I agree with, that a Republican in today's day and age in the Republican Party cannot call out a hate group and white supremacy in fear that they might not get reelected? Mm-hmm. Boy, are those hey, sad hey, times. Hey, 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 Brian, if you and I were talking 10 years ago, And you told me there would be a violent attempt to overturn an American election. And the man who incited that violent attempt would still be the leader of the Republican Party. I'd have punched you in the face, man. Uh, So, so yeah, I I, nothing anymore is unbelievable with where my former political party is right now. Roxanne, if I told you that, too, I mean, I mean, this is Joe Walsh. He ran for president. He's a former congressman who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. And he's right that uh, many Republicans can't even call out white supremacy. I mean, how does that make you feel as a black woman? I mean, it gets me so angry. I can't even imagine how you feel about that. You know how it makes me feel. But they're cowards. Again, we go back to the fact that they're more concerned not about leading, but about being popular. Right. You know, nobody wants to have the courage of their conviction to stand up and say, no, this is not Mm -hmm. okay, because they want to be in power. But when they get that power, they're not using the power. They're followers. And I think it goes back to the conversation we had earlier. We have to look at who we are electing into these offices. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have the courage to stand up against what's wrong, then they don't deserve our vote. And we have to stop giving it to them. Joe, everything, everything Roxanne said is spot on. But remember this. They are being rewarded by Republican voters. Mm. That's true. That's where the problem is. That's true. I agree. But here's here's the thing, though. If the Democrats and the independents come out like we've shown that we can, then we win. So why can't we be consistent with that? Yeah, they they got lucky on a couple, but it's because we got laxed in our messaging. We got laxed in our responsibility. So at what point do we take accountability and say, no, I have some control over who I'm going to have representing me. I have some control over who my next elected official is going to be. I've been looking on the Twitter just to find in Las Vegas who in our elected officials has stood up and said anything about the shooting in New York. And I can't say nobody has, but I've not found any just yet is what I'm going to say. Well, in Roxanne, what's interesting, Brian and Roxanne, right now, and you've got a race there in Nevada, right now the Republican voter is way more enthusiastic this midterm than the Democratic voter. So, and right now, if if I'm betting money, the Republicans are going to win the House and they'll probably win the Senate. Uh, because too many Democrats are going to stay at home. Now, how in God's name can a Democrat stay at home this year? I don't think wow. so. I, I, I'm going to disagree with you on that one, Joe. I think that, I hope you I'm know, wrong. right now... 
that's what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're the ones that's making all the noise, and they've been the ones making all the noise. Yeah. But we don't have to make the noise to be seen. We just have to show up. Yeah. And you know what? Let them get comfortable. Let yeah. them be cocky. And let them find out the day elections yeah. come up is that yeah. that does not get you elections yeah. because we're not making the noise, but we're down here making sure that everybody that can be yeah. elected to vote is getting yeah. Uh, getting uh, registered so that they can vote. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. If the Republicans win, you're not going to hear many of them talk about election integrity. But if they lose, they're going to say they were cheated. Uh, Joe, I want to ask you a little bit about the uh, the abortion stuff, which I haven't had the opportunity to really talk to you about since last time you came on. First of all, isn't it interesting that all the people that call themselves pro-life are the same people that really don't want to talk about mass shootings and innocent people being shot and killed? I mean, do, do you agree with me on that one? Um, yeah, no, I, 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 Brian, I do agree, but I, again, I'd push back a little. It's kind of a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a shot because, I mean, look, here's the deal. I think most Americans are pro-life. Look, look, I'm, I'm pro-life. I'm anti-abortion. I will no longer call my. I know I'm no longer calling myself pro-life because that's not fair. Because even people who are pro-choice are pro-life. Mm-hmm. They value life as much as Absolutely. I do. Mm-hmm. Generally, nobody wants to see a mass shooting. We tend to disagree about what to do about it. And Republicans tend to push back against guns, and Democrats want to focus on guns. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But when it comes to what the Supreme Court is is putting out, uh, it appears as though Roe versus Wade is going to be overturned yeah. and it's going to be up to the states now. Uh, my per- I don't know what your opinion on this, Joe, but my personal opinion is that nobody should uh, tell a woman what to do with her body. It doesn't mean I agree with late term abortion, but I believe that is a personal choice. If you're pro-life or call yourself pro-life, I would never take that right away from you. But why should everybody uh, that, that calls themselves pro-life uh, push that upon others that disagree? Hey, Brian, it's a great point. And people like me who are pro-life, though I won't call myself pro-life anymore, (laughs) who are Mm anti-abortion, that's kind of our, that's our conflict. That's our hypocrisy. What makes this issue difficult, and I agree with you, no one should tell a woman what to do with their body. But what makes this issue difficult is there comes a point in that pregnancy where there is another separate life who deserves protection too. And I think we argue and fight about this issue because we can't figure out where that point is. Respect Mm -hmm. a woman's autonomy, but when is the point where that other life should be protected too. I'll give you I mean, my definition. I'll give you my definition. You tell me. I believe it is not a life unless it could uh, survive outside the womb. If it can survive outside the womb, then I think it's a life. But again, you know, we're getting into, you know, areas where we're going to disagree on, and that's okay. What I just, I, I go back to this, Joe. What I don't like is. I would never take your opinion as not credible, and that's you, and I I respect it. You do what you want with your family, but my definition of what is a life is a little different than yours, Joe, but why should your opinion be pushed on everybody? And be more important than than mine. Right, right. Roxanne and Brian, that's a great point, but think about what you just said, Brian. If a woman has a baby in there who's past the point of viability— i.e. you could take that baby out and that baby could survive on its own. Shouldn't society protect that life no matter what? So if that is the case, then here's what I want, Joe. 
I want Republicans yeah. to be consistent. Many Republicans out there, I don't consider them pro-life when it comes to after the baby is born. Let's get rid of welfare. Let's get rid of food yeah, stamps. Absolutely. Let's get rid of universal health care. Oh, we hate Obamacare. Really? What are you going to replace us with? Oh, I don't know. So if people are going to call, I know you're not one of them, but if people are going to call themselves pro-life and they're going to have that opinion, then guess what? What are you going to do uh, for governmental programs to help that family? Are you going to adopt 100 black babies? I want to know what Republicans are going to do. And I'm sorry, but I just think Republicans fail on this issue. If they call hey, Brian, them, yeah. Hey, Brian. Yep. That is all fair, and that is very well said, my friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Well, Mr. Walsh, you are always well said on this show, and your podcast is awesome. Before I let you go, can you just tell me a little bit about your podcast? It's a great listen. I really, I really love listening to you, uh, whether it's on Twitter or on your podcast. You know, I'm a big fan of yours. Tell me a little bit about your podcast so people can join and listen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say two things, Brian, as I get out of your hair. Sure. Uh, the podcast is White Flag with Joe Walsh. Every week I sit down with somebody who disagrees with me. The second thing I'm going to tell you, Brian, is I love being on your show, but damn it, I want to be on with Roxanne again. I love Roxanne. I do, too. She's one of my, well, she's one of my good friends, Joe, and, and she's great. And I'll tell you what, I'll make a promise. You come to Vegas, steak, steak dinner on me, and, and, and we'll go with Roxanne. Deal? Roxanne has to join us. That's the only way. That's a Absolutely. Joe. Come on down. I won't invite Donnie. Don't worry. Trump will not be joining <laughs> us. Uh, hey, hey, Joe, always a pleasure, my friend. I love you. I appreciate you coming on, as always. Thanks, Thanks Joe. guys. Thank you both. Appreciate it. I love that guy. I love Joe Walsh. I really would. I love that guy. First of all, he's willing to admit he's wrong about things, which so many people in politics mm-hmm. are not able to do. He's a reasonable guy. He says, you know, listen, I have a lot of friends like Joe who, who voted for Trump in 2000 because he loved him. I was even one of those people. I didn't like Donald Trump. You loved okay? him? Didn't love him. Trust oh, me. because I'm like looking at I you. En- I enjoyed looking at his daughter, but that's another oh, story for okay. another day. No, but in all seriousness, when I saw Trump go into the Obama White House and visit with Obama, I saw a very tamed Donald Trump. He, he seemed like he was well-mannered one day. And I said to myself, all right, let's give this guy a chance. Let's see what he can do. And then it, it, almost like the next day, it, it was the opposite. I was wrong. That's because he was pretending. I know. And I was wrong. I didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. I didn't vote for either of them because I didn't like either of them. Okay? I can tell you right now, I wouldn't even blink. I vote for Hillary over almost any Republican, not just Donald Trump, almost any Republican. There's a few Republicans out there I think I'd rather – I'd be okay with Mitt Romney. Okay? I'd be okay with him. Um, Kinzinger's another one. Uh, There's other Republicans out there that I'd vote for, but I made a mistake, and I regret it. Uh, I'm not going to make that mistake again, um, but I did, and, and uh, you know, we all make mistakes, right? And, and I hope we keep on talking about that, Brian, and making sure that we show up at the polls. Mm-hmm. That is vitally important. And if it wasn't important, the Republicans wouldn't be working so hard mm-hmm. to take that voice away. Yeah, yeah. They wouldn't be working as hard as they are working sure. to make it harder for us to show up to the polls. Mm-hmm. So we have to make sure that we continue to get that message yeah. out there. And listen, Joe Walsh has different opinions than I do when it comes to abortion and different opinions than you. And Mm -hmm. that's fine. I respect that. But the point I try to make, and he understands where I'm coming from. I don't want to take your right away. You do what you want with your daughter, your wife. Ultimately, it should be their decision. Mm -hmm. But you play a role. You're your family member, even a friend. I don't want to take that right away from you. Don't take it away from me. Don't take it away from you. We have different definitions on when it is a life or when, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, we have different definitions. That's fine. I don't agree with late-term abortion unless it's a a medical uh, situation for Mm -hmm. the mother. With that being said, I mean, and again, I I go to extremes because they're true. 
if a woman is raped or the victim of incest in some Republican states, that woman is going to be forced to have that child. Can you imagine, Roxanne, having that baby inside of you, knowing that you were raped or the victim of incest? What are these people doing? Doing. But what's going to take place, Brian, is that woman's not going to carry that baby. She's either going to find a way right. to go to another state or she will have an illegal abortion. Yeah. Th- those are the only two. And one or the other will take place. Yeah, no question. It's uh, dangerous times we're living in, but I'm glad, Roxanne, there are people like you and Joe out there. I'm glad you do what you do for, the, for uh, Las Vegas and for so many people out there that need help. And, and I know you're one of those people that uh, does that out of the bottom of your heart. You're not getting paid to do this. It's all voluntary stuff. Mm-hmm. It seems like all the people out there, even some politicians, that they might go to some charity event, they just want to photo op, and then they get the hell mm-hmm. out of there. You're not one of those people. Uh, and I appreciate you for that. Uh, I, want to, I want you to give out that information again, people that are listening that want to be involved with the local NAACP. Where do they go, Roxanne? Um, our website is NAACPLV. Dot org, and that'll take you directly to the Las Vegas NAACP website. Well, Roxanne, you're the best. Uh, it's been a little while since we've done some it radio together. Uh, I'm glad it's only the two of us in studio. That's all I will say on that one. But uh, anyway, Roxanne. Uh, I, I love the much milder, calmer <laughs> version of you because I have to tell you that there are times I was so concerned that it's like my friend is going to have a stroke. Well, you know what? Uh, yeah. Yeah. There were plenty of shows where I felt like uh, after the show, I felt like I was having arrhythmias and I needed to go on medication. But you know what? When you have to talk to people consistently that spew lies, hatred mm-hmm. um, on a regular basis, uh, it, drives you, it drives you crazy. Uh, mentally, it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, But you know what? Frankly. You, you were tested, <laughs> and you passed the test, and yes. you live to tell about it. So I am happy to that see you. That is true. I, I appreciate that. That is true. Uh, I am in better spirits these days, although I still have my mood swings from time to time. Trust me on that one. But, That's uh, life. But that is life. You're right. Roxanne, always a pleasure having you here, man. I appreciate you. And I uh, hope you can join me again soon. This has been a lot of fun. I will. Thank you for having me. Thank appreciate you. Roxanne you. McCoy, ladies and gentlemen, the president of the local Las Vegas NAACP. She does such a wonderful job. Just a wonderful woman. And I always appreciate it when she comes in studio. Breath of fresh air. So is Joe Walsh, by the way. Uh, he's not a beautiful black woman, but uh, he, he's, he's, a beautiful, he's a beautiful white man. Uh, we appreciate Joe Walsh as well. All right. We're going to take a break. Hey, when we come back, the Las Vegas Golden Knights have fired Pete DeBoer. I heard there's a rumor we might have Pete DeBoer on the line. I don't know if that's true, allegedly. But I'll tell you who we do we have joining us next. Uh, he does a great show here, by the way, on K-Shop. His name is Dana Lane. He's on uh, right before me, by the way. He does the Sportsbook Radio Show. He does the Vegas Hockey Hotline Show. Great guy, and he does a really good show. So I said, Dana, why don't you jump on with us, and let's talk about this breaking news. So Dana Lane will be joining us next. Talk about Pete DeBoer. Uh, he's on vacation, uh, hiatus. Uh, take a break. Be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits on a Monday. So glad you could join us. We're going to switch topics here, man, before we do so. Are the Knights uh, still playing? No, I don't think they are, actually. No, I don't, I don't think so. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, I want to tell you a little bit about one of my favorite bars in town, Great Gaming Bar. Brian Slipbach, the owner, I had dinner with him and his lovely wife and daughter uh, yesterday. Jackson's Bar and Grill. It's located on Flamingo and Jones. You go in there, you mention my name, the name of the show, sign up for a player's card, you get $10 free slot play. If you hit a jackpot, 
Whatever that jackpot pays, you'll also get 10% in free slot play. Please check them out. Great atmosphere, great bartenders, just a great place to chill, play a machine, relax. I love it. Jackson's Bar and Grill. Please check them out. Tell them I sent you. Located on Flamingo and Jones. Uh, So you might have heard the breaking news. It's sort of breaking news. I would say it's a big local story. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights uh, head coach Pete DeBoer. Uh, no longer. Uh, he is uh, taking a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, he's been fired. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, wait, do we, do we have uh, Pete DeBoer on the line? Oh, oh. hey, Pete, uh, do you know what you're going to be doing uh, now that you're no longer, at least at this time, uh, a head coach in the NHL? Uh, are you going to be hanging out on the beach? Uh, are you still going to be friends with Mr. McCremmon? What are you going to be up to? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Oh, well, there were a lot of I don't knows, Pete, and maybe that's why you're no longer the coach. But anyway, the guy to set us straight on all this stuff uh, does a great job. Uh, of course, Sportsbook Radio, the show before mine, Vegas Hockey Hotline, would be KSHP's very own Dana Lane joining us right now on the line. Dana, I appreciate you coming on. How are you? I'm good, Brian. How are you, buddy? I ran home and tried to get the best background I could find. This is all I can come up with is my coffee bar. Uh, you know what? That's sufficient, my friend. As long as it's not a big peach or a, a picture of Pete DeBoer in the background, I'm totally okay with that. Put that down. Put that <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah. All right. So, Dana, uh, I have my explanation or opinions on Pete DeBoer, but I want yours. Is this uh, What was your first reaction when you heard Pete DeBoer has been fired? Well, it wasn't a surprise at all, Brian. I mean, there had to be a fall guy. This is the way this organization is. There has to be a reason other than injuries as to why they didn't make the postseason. And they came out and publicly gave Kelly McCrimmon a vote of confidence that he will be will be back. And the only one they didn't give a vote of confidence to was Pete DeBoer. And I don't think they need to give one to George McPhee. I think he's going to be back for sure. And he doesn't need one, but... It, it was very telling that Pete DeBoer was not given a vote of confidence by the organization. So that it, it is. I mean, we've talked about this, Brian. It is very interesting because after, and this is the way this organization is going to be. If you don't meet expectations, somebody is going to pay the price. And the first person to pay the price will always tell you who they think is to blame. And in this case, it's Pete DeBoer. I got to tell you, I do believe that Pete DeBoer is partially to blame uh, obviously, injuries were a big factor, but I think just as much, if not more, McPhee and McCrimmon. They've made as, as many good decisions as they've made. They've made some really bad ones. You know how I feel about the Flurry situation. How about Gerard Gallant? How about winning Game 7, the Rangers? Look at what Gerard Gallant has done. But I knew that was a bad decision, and I think many fans did. When they got rid of Gallant, that was absurd. I mean, they, they created this for themselves. Forget about the injuries for a moment. Getting rid of Nate Schmidt, getting rid of uh, Gallant, getting rid of Flurry, and getting absolutely nothing in return. The way they handled the Robin Leonard situation, the way they handle situations when it comes to injuries. I'm sick and tired of this organization not being honest and upfront with uh, members of the media and the fans. Yeah, well, not only that, I mean, you could pencil in David Perron, too, who's playing top-line minutes for the Blues. I mean, he's a very important piece of what they're doing. He didn't get along with management here, so, you know, and that was, uh, you know, in, in the background, but that's why he wasn't there. That's why James Neal wasn't there, and I understood the reasoning at that at that point, but you know, I mean, there was a lot of guys that have passed through here that are now playing meaningful minutes. Uh, don't get me started on Nick Suzuki, who is going to be a terrific. He's going to be a star in this league, and he already is a star in this league. So, you know, I, I get what you're saying. But here's the, here's the thing about this. It, it's when we talk about decisions about coaching and players, we often always base, upon, base it upon numbers, wins, losses for coaches, you know, goals, assists for, for players. 
you know, how, how well do they play defensively? But like I pointed out on the show today, it isn't always about that. It, it is sometimes about when you look a man in the eye, do you believe what he's saying? Do you believe that that's the person that you want in your organization? And I really feel like it just came down to that with DeBoer. I felt like I don't think he did anything wrong. I mean, honestly, Brian, if you take half of those man-made man uh, injury minutes missed by the Golden Knights and split it in half, I think this team's a second, maybe third round team. Mm-hmm. But it was the chemistry that was the problem, and it was it was the factions that was the problem. I mean, you know, I mean, you were the first one to tell me that you felt like there was a problem between Leonard and the board. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that later was confirmed numerous and times. And nobody talked so, about that. You know, nobody. And in the, nobody talked. Nobody about that in the media me. talked about that. I knew. I knew the day. And Dana, I told you this: the day that Leonard, if you remember that game where Leonard was yeah. pulled after the first period when the score was 1-1, which is, by the way, unheard in hockey unless there's an injury. And, uh, you know, I spoke to someone who was very close to Robin Leonard who told me they had a, a, an altercation. Don't know if it was physical or not. I would imagine it probably wasn't, but they had some sort of altercation in the locker room, and, and, and that's why. And when I heard that, I said, this team is effed. They're, they're in trouble. Yeah. When you have your starting no, goal, t- yeah, it, it can't happen. That's exactly right. I mean, most of these teams win because of their cohesion. We saw, we, we see Florida uh, beat a veteran team in Washington, but won because of their cohesion. We, we, we see Colorado's been winning all year because of that. You don't hear, I mean, Calgary's the best example, a team that really didn't get, got hit the least of, with COVID. And, and Daryl Sutter's been doing, has done a great job keeping that team together, playing yep. a structured team. And whether it's the top line or it's the bottom line, you know what you're going to get. But, Brian, I, I made this point that today that there is a, a, a definite similarity between Gallant and Pete DeBoer. And what happened is when they faced adversity, it was the way that they handled it. We saw Gallant, had, they had a little bit of a losing streak, didn't win as much as VGK wanted to in that first year. They were on the road, uh, didn't play well. I think Gallant was getting testy with reporters. DeBoer, kind of the same way. I don't think when adversity hit, I don't think that that relationship that may or may not have been harmonious before with upper management remained that way when the when it got tough. And so that is the two similarities between the two coaches. They need to bring, bring a guy in here that's going to have a relationship uh, with the upper management as well as his players, whether it's a, a good relationship when they're winning or a bad relationship uh, with the players when they're losing. But also making sure that that relationship with upper management stays even keel. That's uh, that's a lot tougher ask, and you really never know if you have that guy until you get to that point. By the way, Dana, we're learning now, uh, McCrimmon has said that uh, Mark Stone is going to be having back surgery. We know he hasn't even been anywhere close to 100% all year. Uh, most likely he will be back by training camp, so that's good. He needs to get that uh, that surgery done. There's no question about that. If you're just joining us, he is Dana Lane, Vegas Hockey Hotline. Show actually right before mine does a great job covering the NHL, covering the Vegas Golden Knights. All right, so moving forward now, who do you think uh, uh, Trotz is a name that that obviously comes to mind, number one? Uh, I'm going to bring up a name that you might not agree with me on, but I, I love him, John Tortorella. Uh, I don't think that he'll be hired here or anywhere anytime soon, but I think we need a guy that's fiery. We need a guy that is vocal. We need a guy that is a leader. I don't believe Pete DeBoer was ever that guy. Is he a horrible coach? No. But we need somebody who's very vocal. I think we need a character. Uh, I think Tortorella would be that guy. That's just my personal opinion. What are your thoughts? I I like John Tortorella quite a bit. But my only worry is what I just mentioned is when times got tough, 
I, I don't think Tortorella is a guy that's going to mesh with McPhee and McCrimmon and certainly not Foley when times get tough. And they will get tough. I mean, mm-hmm. we saw what happened in Columbus when uh, he wasn't winning games at the at the pace that he expected from himself. I mean, it was very – his relationships with his players were not very good at some, at, at some times. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's an excellent coach. I just don't know if it's good for this specific team. Uh, we broke today or we speculated today. Of course, my co-host Steve Karp – brought up the fact that he believes that Rick Tockett is going to be the next head coach of the, of the Vegas Golden Knights. And that makes sense because right now Tockett is doing his TNT duties. We saw today Kelly McCrimmon at his press conference says that we're going to do our due diligence and we haven't decided yet, which I don't believe is true. I think it's just a matter of waiting for uh, Rick Tockett to finish out, out what he's doing with TNT. And then I believe that he's going to be let named me, the next head coach of the Vegas Golden Let Knights. me ask you about that with the gambling scandal that he was involved mm-hmm. in years ago. The fact yeah. that, do you think that that could be a factor? Because I, listen, I don't think Tockett would be a bad hire. I actually like the guy. He was a great player. Gosh, I remember back in the day when I was a Hartford Whalers season ticket holder, I used to witch, watch Tockett when the Bruins came to town. He was a wonderful player. I think he's a good coach. He's a fiery guy. Players respect mm-hmm. him. But you're coming to Las Vegas, and I'm just saying he's got that gambling scandal in his resume. It's there. I don't know. I I would think that Trotz is the favorite right now. And by the way, McCrimmon was asked about that in the press conference today, and he wouldn't say yes or no. He said it was inappropriate for him to to be commenting on specific candidates. And by the way, I agree. I don't expect – but he didn't say yes or no. There's no question they're going to interview Trotz. I just don't know if they would hire a guy like Tockett. Listen, we mentioned Tortorella. Isn't the same thing with Tockett? He's a fiery guy. Might not get along with management. Yeah, I mean, look, we we get these rumors all the time – you know, Steve Carp's been around a long time. I mean, as a two-time Hall of Famer, as he pointed out today. I mean, he doesn't say these things without having a pretty good idea of what he's saying. And I 100% back it because I think it makes sense. I think when you hire head coaches, you have to get the opposite of what you just had. You know you don't want to bring another low-key guy in here because you brought a low-key guy in here, which was the opposite of where Gerard Gallant was. So I think next next coach in line would be a guy like Rick Tockett to get the most out of a team that really had their soul taken out of them when Ryan Reeves was sent to New York and Gallant was sent. I mean, there's a lot to be said for guys like that that you could point to on the ice. Yeah, they made some mistakes in the postseason. Uh, we didn't love that. But what we missed in the po- in the in the locker room was a guy that – that got everybody together, that was the glue of the locker room. And I just didn't think that that was the case. There was a lot of different factions on the team this year, and there was not one guy that really stand up and put everybody on their back. And and so I think Rick Tockett makes a lot of sense to me because he's a guy that is going to be very vocal in the locker room. He's a guy that you know has been around a while, was a terrific player, not so much as a head coach. But maybe this is, I mean, I throw what he did with Arizona out the door. I mean, name me a successful coach. And, oh, by the way, he did lead the Coyotes, with it, which is something that not a lot of people do, mm-hmm. did lead the Coyotes to the postseason. So True. it does make sense to me that yeah. Rick Tocker would be the guy. Barry yeah. Trotz, yeah. I, I know it's the easy path. I know it's the Vegas Golden Knights way. He doesn't seem like a guy who's ready to jump back in it right now. Well, I agree with you. I don't think Trotz is, is the right guy. I would rather take Tockett over uh, Trotz. Uh, this is what uh, Kelly McCrimmon said on the firing. He said, quote, the decision was made based on next year. The decision was not based made on this past year. It's about starting with a fresh voice. McCrimmon also adds that this was not a quick decision, one that took time and deliberation. Okay, so I agree with the end of that statement, but, I, but that's, that's a lie. 
Of course part of it was based on this year. What the hell are you talking about? Are you telling me that if Pete DeBoer made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, you would have still fired him? What is... Okay, I don't understand. Listen, I'm not a McCrimmon guy. I think I, I don't like him. I think he's a jerk, okay? But why does he continue to lie? That is a lie. Of course. Uh, am I wrong in, in assuming that he's lying? Of course this was based on stuff that happened this year. You had your head coach that was getting into it with your starting goalie in the middle of games. You, the power play stunk. You stunk up the room. The, the power play was terrible. And he's saying this had nothing to do with this year. It has to do with next year. Is he? Does he think we're all this stupid? Well, I could tell you this, Brian. I mean, the fact of the matter is it doesn't matter if McCrimmon's saying it or who's saying it. That's exactly what you're going to get from a team that tells you nothing. So, of course, it was based on this year. That sounds silly. I don't know who's writing their postgame press or their pressers for him, but that is an absolute silly quote. I mean, as you said, if Pete DeBoer went three rounds deep into the postseason, we wouldn't be talking about this right, right It's now. ridiculous. So why, everything why, Dana, why do they – listen, I'm not going to take away – anything of the positives this team has accomplished so much since they've been here nobody can take that away from them and I always give them credit for that but the way Bill Foley and the way this organization runs pisses me off I don't like the way they withhold information about injuries and don't give me this crap that oh every team does that no they don't most teams are much more transparent with injuries we've seen it time and time again why is it that you're getting rid of the fan favorites that are fun for the players to play with in the locker room the Ryan Reeves of the world okay the Nate Schmitz of the world the Marc-Andre Fleury's of the world why are you screwing with the chemistry of this team and I feel like Some members of the media have to kiss the Vegas, not you, thank goodness. Some members of the media have to kiss the Vegas Golden Knights ass time and time again to be treated well. I'm sick of that as well. I know people, and you, we know the same people, they don't get two credentials to games because, oh, they've criticized the Knights too much on social media. Are you effing kidding me? What are we talking about here? Of course they're open to criticism. That's what makes sports great. Doesn't mean we're going to go after people personally. Listen. The reason why I call him a criminal jerk is because that's what former players have told me that have played for the organization and current players. They've told me he's a jerk. So I'm going by what they say, and I don't think they would lie. By the way, some of the nicest people that have played for the Knights have told me some very bad things about McCrimmon, about how he's a cancer in the locker room. Why can't we criticize this team? I feel like there's way too much pushback within this organization from the higher-ups that what they say goes, and they run this thing like some sort of army drill uh, sergeant, and I'm sick of it. I'm just sick of it. Well, Brian, even to begin this with, I mean, and listen, I, I've had fortunate to have lunch with Bill Foley a couple of times. I like Bill a lot. I, I, I mean, you can't help but to respect what he's done. He's been you know, a tremendous businessman. I really like him personally. But the fact of the matter is, I remember one of the things that he said was how much he admired what what uh, what crafted in in New England with the Patriots and how he run, wanted to run his organization the same way. Now it's completely the opposite because the Patriots put every player on the injury injury list every week. But you know, I mean, I understand. And and Brian uses it's probably a bad way to say it right now, but Brian Blessing. Uh, who used to do Vegas Hockey Hotline, used to say they run the organization like the Kremlin. And and that's exactly right. I mean, you don't get any information from them. Brian, listen, I I don't want to go down this path, but it's so frustrating to me that I can't get an email back from guys that are dealing with the media. And and I don't know why that is. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe I'm just making it up. I'm going to give you some breaking news, though. I'm going to give you some breaking news, Dana. Uh, One of those people that you're talking about, I'm not going to say his name, that does not return your emails is no longer with the organization. Maybe I'll tell you off the air. 
<laughs> but he took a job somewhere right. else. So I just wanted to clear that up. Well, I know, I know Sage Sammons is no longer with him if you're talking about Sage. Yeah, that's who I'm talking about, yes. All right, so Sage is working for a bank now. Yeah, whatever. yeah. The fact that I mean, that's great. I, the, yeah. the, the truth is, that we say this all the time on the radio show, we're not running fluff radio, and yeah. I don't know why the organization would want you to run anything but, because what we're doing yeah. is we're creating interest in something yeah. that we should be a market that has interest. And you when are apathy right. Sets in, you when are- apathy sets in, you, you have UNLV football, and, and we don't want that. We want every team in this town sure. to strive for excellence. And when Absolutely. Not, we, we have to call them out on it. Absolutely. And listen, there are people in this town that run teams, and I think we'll agree, that do a wonderful job. I think Jim Gemma is fantastic at his job. Absolutely. Does, and I think John, John Maxwell with the Aces is, is fantastic. These are good yes. people who understand this city. And and they're great. There are some people within the Knights organization who I have a lot of respect for. Uh, uh, and, you know, we're going to have uh, – Dan Duva is one of them, by the way. He's going to be joining me on the show tomorrow. Great guy. And the Knights are great at getting me uh, guys here and there. But th- there's no question that th- there have been some issues within the organization with the way they treat media. Uh, and uh, I, do be- I do think Bill Foley's a nice guy. Heck, I played golf with Bill Foley. I played around to golf with him. Great guy. Really nice guy to talk to. Uh, I don't think he really uh, understands everything that's going on underneath him at times, and that can be very difficult to do. I do think this was the right decision. I think we agree it was the right decision to get rid of Pete DeBoer. We will see who they hire. Uh, Danny, you do a great job with Vegas Hockey Hotline, and I, and I really do appreciate you coming on the show, my friend, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you tomorrow, man. I appreciate it very much. I will add this, and I know you're up against it, but – I will add this, you know, sometimes there's a learning curve for an owner that is not a hockey owner and has not been in the hockey business. So he, what, he does what every businessman does and puts good people in front of him to run the business. And when he doesn't think that's going well, that's when he steps in, which is what we heard the last couple of weeks from Bill Foley. I think that's a fair point. Uh, moving forward, hopefully decision-making is a little bit better, but I think that is a very, very fair point. And the Knights have certainly accomplished a lot in the short time they've been here. There's no question about that. Dana Lane uh, from Vegas Hockey Hotline. Dana, I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks, bud. Have a great Appreciate day. Appreciate that. Thank you, Dana. Appreciate that. Uh, as I mentioned, the voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, Mr. Dan Duva, will be joining us on the show tomorrow. I really look forward to that. Oh, we're going to have some fun tomorrow for a lot of different reasons. Uh, we're going to have Dan Duva uh, joining us. Chris Wynn's going to be joining us in studio, and we're also going to be joined tomorrow uh, by former uh, – can I can – I, oh, I can't say that. Is Okay. We have keep a, it a secret. All right. I'm going to keep – okay, no, check. I'll keep – we have a surprise guest coming in studio tomorrow. Trust me, it's going to be a fun guest, and uh, – it has something to, involving Chris Wynn, too, so, but I'm going to keep it a secret. Uh, we won't share it until tomorrow. That's fine. I'll, I'll, that's fine. I'll keep it because Chris is listening, so I'll keep it a secret. Uh, don't worry. It's not OJ. It's not, not OJ. We don't have to hide our knives. It's not OJ. Don't worry. Uh, but anyway, um, I appreciate Joe Walsh joining us. God, I love Joe Walsh. He's so awesome. Roxanne McCoy is also two of my, like, seriously, two of my favorite guests. Roxanne McCoy, president of the Las Vegas NAACP. Uh, and, of course... Joe Walsh joining us as well, and I appreciate Dan Elaine taking the time. As I mentioned, we'll have Dan Duva on the show tomorrow. we got to talk some NBA hoops tomorrow, too. Man, my Celtics, Game 7. How about that? How about those Celtics, man? Getting it done at home, Game 7 against Milwaukee. How much does Chris Paul suck in, in, play, in big games? By the way, I'll tell you how much Chris Paul sucks. Chris Paul is 0-6 in Game 7s in the playoffs. 0-6. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not flipping a coin, and that is not unlucky. That is somebody who chokes. Chris Paul is the Greg Norman of the NBA. I'm just going to call it that. That's who Chris Paul is. There's people who do it because 
maybe a lack of effort, James Harden, who can't win big games in the playoffs. And then there's guys like Chris Paul that can't get it done because they choke. What a choke by the Phoenix Suns. What a pathetic performance, and I give credit to the Mavericks. But if you're Phoenix, you cannot get blown out on your home floor in a Game 7 under any circumstance. I don't care who you're playing. So uh, we'll catch up uh, and talk some NBA. Jamison Walsh is going to be joining us on Wednesday in studio. Guy Nora. Ooh, this is going to be an interesting one. Guy Nora running for office as a Republican. Uh, he's going to be joining us in studio one day. We're going to have a former DA in studio Thursday. Man, we got all sorts of different guests coming in studio uh, this week. It's uh, pretty uh, pretty fun. But anyway, uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. Find me on Twitter, please. Pushing Limits LV is my Twitter handle where we stream video live every single day. That's right. Also, join our Facebook page, the fan page, which is Pushing the Limits on Facebook. Uh, it's a fun follow. So find me on there as well. And you could also add me on my personal page, on my Facebook page, because I always need new friends, ladies and gentlemen. So add me. Just look for the pasty white guy. Maybe I'm wearing a fedora or something. That's me. Add me as a friend on, on Facebook. Appreciate you joining us, everybody. Have a great day. <laughs>